Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. Last week at the Delphi Economic Forum, we heard Greece's main Western partners, notably the U.S. and Germany, hint that there will be a push to resolve longstanding Greek-Turkish disputes after the upcoming elections. At the same time, the forum looked at the dynamic shifts taking place in the Eastern Mediterranean, most notably the 3 plus 1 partnership between Greece, Israel, Cyprus, and the United States. Expert Kostadinos Filis, the director of the Institute of Global Affairs and an associate professor at the American College of Greece, joins me to break down whether a compromise between Athens and Ankara could be on the horizon and look into what more Washington can do to send the message that the 3 plus 1 partnership is a top priority. Kostadine, it's great to have you back on The Greek Current. Thanks for the invitation once again. Could Greece and Turkey be headed for some kind of compromise, or are Greece's Western partners, you know, notably the U.S. and Germany, overly optimistic here? Let me start with something we talked about in one of our recent conversations. The willingness of the U.S. to give Germany space and time to play this mediating role between Greece and Turkey. At that time, we stressed that Washington saw Berlin's role during the critical months of 2020 as decisively positive, when the Greek and Turkish fleets were in a state of war readiness for nearly three months. And based on this, under different circumstances, of course, Washington would like to see Germany take initiatives like this once again. This time, not to de-escalate the tensions, but to initiate a dialogue between Athens and Ankara. And what Greece is seeking is certainly the definitive settlement of the issues uh, roiling uh, our relations with Turkey. But for this to happen, the involved parties have to agree on an agenda for the talks. They have to desist from statements and actions that dispute sovereignty and sovereign rights, remove the Damocles word of the threat of war on Greece if it extends its territorial waters. And in general, I would say, there has to be a prevailing spirit of communication and in some cases cooperation as is uh, uh, the case of the positive agenda on the level of deputy foreign ministers. Those, Thanos, are the minimum requirements for the launching of a substantial dialogue between Greece and Turkey, a dialogue with good chances of leading to a positive result, because dialogue for the sake of dialogue, like the parallel monologues in the form of uh, the 64 rounds of exploratory talks, may still serve PR purposes, but at the end of the day, they are not contributing to restoring relations, much less resolving the issues. And in this sense, I would say that it is too early to assume that any initiatives taken by Berlin or Washington or both following the elections would succeed merely because the recent earthquakes in Turkey depressurized the tensions in recent months. A lot, of course, depends on what the outcome of Turkey's election will be. And one thing that we've been seeing lately and that is becoming clear is that long-term Turkish goals haven't changed. We're seeing this in President Erdogan's statements, in his foreign minister's remarks, and in the AKP's pre-election publications with certain maps that show parts of Greece with the Turkish flag superimposed over them. How do you think Turkey's elections will impact Greek-Turkish relations? Well, Thanos, we can allow ourselves to be optimistic, but certainly not naive. So it's not just the campaign ads of the governing party in Turkey or the recent statements from Erdogan during the presentation of the helicopter carrier and fifth-generation fighter jets that directly or indirectly take aim at Greece. Turkey wants to be the leader in its wider neighborhood, and Greece and Cyprus are the first obstacles to this endeavor. On the other hand, the resetting of the Turkish economy depends mainly on the West, and this gives the latter the opportunity to promote a different model than the one Turkey has in mind for the Aegean and the Eastern Mediterranean. A model of cooperation based on rules and resolution of disputes, 
A model that the other states in the region, based on the delimitation agreements, they have already concluded, Greece with uh, Egypt, Cyprus with uh, Israel and Egypt. So this is a model of cooperation because we have demarcated our sea zones with agreements, with legal agreements that have been concluded. This is a model that Ankara will either reject, further isolating itself, or accept. And therefore, in that case, it will contribute to the stabilization of a region that from the Western Balkans to the Eastern Mediterranean and from the Black Sea to the Persian Gulf is facing a number of serious challenges. So will Turkey change its policy if the regime changes in the upcoming elections? A secular government will certainly be more attractive to Western eyes and more accepting or flexible, I would say, towards certain Western standards, such as the freeing of political prisoners and the definitive neutralization of the Russian S-400s. Based on what the opposition is saying, Turkey's policy will be less aggressive, more compromising, and without such a strong military presence in various places outside Turkey. But how can it change its stance on Greece? When the bar has been set so high by Erdogan, who, we should note, essentially adopted the Kemalist stance on Greece, and Turkey will be focusing on domestic issues following the elections, especially if the result is a close one. And in fact, due to the polarization of the political system, it won't be easy for either of the two presidential candidates to take spectacular initiatives and tone down their positions enough to create the right conditions for serious negotiations with us, with Greece. So then what message should Greece's Western partners, particularly the United States here, send in order to really facilitate a positive environment for talks? The first and main message has to be that the United States will not accept any action or even statement that disputes Greek sovereignty and readies the ground for revision of treaties that, like the Treaty of Lausanne, for instance, determine the borders between states. Uh, I recently read, Thanos, a U.S. Uh, announcement on the Philippines and China's violations in the disputed exclusive economic zone of the Philippines And I wondered why we have yet to see such a clear and strong statement from Washington on the violations of Greece's sovereignty or the very dangerous flyovers of Greek islands. I admit that of late, U.S. statements are closer to the reality of the situation and to what Greece wants. But it is still not enough. And while Turkey is a member of NATO, creating certain constraints as to what can be said against it, Ankara nevertheless has certain commitments that it is trying to forget and avoid. And beyond that... It is up to Greece to decide how it will convince Turkey that perpetuating the situation is not in its interest as well. Because Thanos, as long as Greece does not exercise its rights and sovereignty based on the provisions of the law of the sea, as long as Turkey's relationship with the West is fraught, as long as Turkey diverges from Western institutions and not from Western principles and values, which it never really espoused, as long as all this continues, the room for Greece to exert creative pressure on Turkey is shrinking dramatically. And we have to face it. There is a need to balance things out against Turkey. We need a carrot and stick policy. In any case, if Kilitzaroglu wins the elections, trust in Turkey has been shaken and restoring that trust will take time and real actions as proof. Nevertheless, the operation launched after the earthquake to burnish Turkey's image is having the desired effect in certain Western circles. You know, they're swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. I want to bring us back, Kostadina, to something that you mentioned, where you talked about an alternative vision for the region, one based on cooperation. And we're seeing that in the 3 plus 1 partnership between Greece, Cyprus, Israel, and the United States. 
as this partnership has the potential to change dynamics in the Eastern Mediterranean. This received a lot of attention at the Delphi Economic Forum, including on a panel that you were on. Is U.S. engagement here a must? There really were a, a number of discussions on this issue. And of course, the takeaway is what was said by Senator Menendez and the former U.S. ambassador to Greece and now Assistant Secretary for Energy Resources, Jeffrey Payan. As I said earlier, the Eastern Mediterranean Thanos is rife with security challenges, including jihadist terrorism, unstable regimes, organized crime, migration flows. But there are also opportunities with a focus on energy. And there is also obvious competition among powers outside the region, with Russia trying to consolidate its foothold through Syria and with a significant footprint in the Middle East and Libya and to a smaller extent in Egypt, and with China using economic tools and penetrating via contradictory investments, which it converts into political influence. So the Americans, at least the State Department, don't seem to have solutions to the region's problems right now. They're looking more for answers from their allies, and Greece needs to develop its own plan, which it will complete and promote following the elections, hopefully, for how it sees the future of a region that is constantly gaining in interest and importance. The U.S. engagement, getting back to your question, should be based on the realization of regional realities and dynamics as they developed during the last decade. Let me remind you that the U.S. supported the Arab uprisings, which led the region to instability, lost part of its diplomatic cloud following its abandonment of the Kurds in Syria and its withdrawal from Afghanistan. And in general, it doesn't enjoy the respect it once did from the partners in the uh, region. So in fact, though it rightly promoted the recognition of Israel by Arab states with the Abraham Accords, even that momentum appears to be waning. And the reports I'm hearing insist that the Americans want to give Germany the space to get more actively involved. So what more do you think Washington can do to move the ball forward and send the message that you know this region and the three plus one partnership is a top priority? First of all, it will have to send a clear message. Again, the situation in the region right now and the reception Washington's views are getting aren't as favorable as they were in the past. And alignment with those views should not be taken as a given by any means. This, in my mind, is healthy, even if some Americans don't like it. Why is it healthy? Because it gives the states in the region the opportunity to develop their positions, to create their own agenda, and to stop being lumped together by the Americans and depending on the U.S. to solve their problems. Regional actors need to take their situation into their own hands. On the other hand, though, there are cases where actors like Riyadh, for instance, Saudi Arabia, are taking stances starkly different from those of Washington, which is cause for concern. So if the Americans have decided to give their partners the chance to decide their own fate in the Eastern Mediterranean, then they will have to support their choices and, of course, entrust the work to the most trusted partners. And as a great power, the U.S. will have to constantly monitor the situation, not on an ad hoc basis and not with wishful thinking. The U.S. also has to show practical support for Cyprus. It has undoubtedly taken important steps in recent months in that respect, just as Cyprus has taken serious steps towards de-Russification. Nevertheless, we see Turkey trying to change the foundation of the solution on the Cyprus issue so that it can achieve recognition of the Turkish Cypriots. And what's more, it is taking actions that contravene the resolutions of the UN, as in the opening of Varosa. In the defense sector, the US can still do a lot in relation to both Greece and Cyprus. In fact, the case of Alexandropoli indicates a trend 
that could well continue and expand to include some more Greek islands beyond Crete, in spite of Turkey's objections. However, Thanos, and I would like to close with that, I insist that the most important and determinative assistance from the U.S. should be in the diplomatic arena, in the direction of dispute resolution and stabilization. And finally, we also have the energy issue, especially in the shadow of the war in Ukraine, which draws strong American interest. And here again, the choice should be based on consistency and credibility, which is what the market also wants. Kostadine, it's been great speaking with you as always. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. In other news, the United States has returned some 80 ancient artifacts, including coins and limestone sculptures, to Cyprus, the Cypriot Department of Antiquities said Tuesday. The antiquities were recovered after U.S. authorities seized them or individual owners decided to hand them back after discovering their true provenance. Department of Antiquities Director Marina Solomidu Ieronimidu said they include clay and glass vessels and limestone sculptures, some dating to 2000 BC, as well as an 18th century painting that was believed to have adorned a now derelict church in the occupied north of the island. The artifacts were all repatriated April 26 and are currently held in a museum in Nicosia. Finally, museums in Austria and Greece are discussing the potential return to Athens of two ancient Greek sculptures, a move which could have a knock-on effect for the fate of the British Museum's Parthenon sculptures. The talks announced by Austria's foreign minister on Tuesday concern two small pieces of the 2,500-year-old marble works from the Acropolis. If a deal for their return is struck, it would be Greece's third in a few months with a handful of European museums that own little bits of the Parthenon sculptures. That could increase pressure on the British Museum to return its own, much larger collection among the global debate on cultural restitution. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.